Channel partners help technology companies sell technology. These channel partners come in the form of distributors, resellers, value-add resellers, solution providers, and managed service providers. It is estimated that there are roughly 500,000 IT channel partners in the world today. But what does the future look like for these channel partners as more end customers migrate to cloud-based solutions? Over the next seven to 10 years, it is estimated that roughly one third of these channel partners will close their doors as aging owners retire. It is estimated that an additional one third of these channel partners will struggle to migrate their business models away from selling and supporting on-premise technology solutions. These companies will face shrinking revenues and eventual demise. That leaves just one third of the current partner ecosystem that is predicted to have thriving business models a decade from now, roughly 165,000 of the current 500,000. Whether you are a technology provider or a channel partner, are you ready for this massive shift? I'm Thomas Law, the Executive Director of the Technology and Services Industry Association. Welcome to the ninth episode of our 10-part series on the have and have-nots of the technology industry. In this episode, we're going to discuss the changing role of the channel. For those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we are a for-profit research institute. We track the financial performance of the largest publicly traded technology providers on the planet, but more importantly, we perform deep operational benchmarking with the technology companies that are on the TSIA platform. It is that data that informs the insights you will hear in this series. And today I will be joined by Anne McClellan, who leads our research in as a service channel optimization. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Thomas. And it's great to be here with you today. Yeah, so a little bit on my background. I started in the tech industry a long, long time ago, but, you know, I was 14, of course. Um, <laughs> my history in tech started as a, as a systems engineer at IBM, where I was really fortunate enough to get that old-fashioned IBM training. We were taught everything from programming to installing software to configuring it and testing it. Um, while at IBM, I held a variety of positions including running the Northern Virginia government sales territory, leading quality, Six Sigma and all that stuff, uh, managed a couple software development groups. And then under the Gershner years, I was asked to start from scratch a distribution channels management team for a business unit at IBM. I was tasked with onboarding this team and leading the effort to take us from a 100% direct business to a 50-50 split. Well, we got to 60-40, which was a huge accomplishment for that business unit. And from there, it launched me into several different partner leadership roles at Microsoft, Red Hat, Cisco, and Blue Prism. I came to TSIA in March of 2019 to start the X's Service Channel Optimization Research Practice. And I'll tell you, it's been growing crazy ever since. Yeah, you have been very busy since you've come on board. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned uh, the Gershner years at IBM. You know, I always recommend to folks the book that he wrote. I think it's um, Yes, Elephants Can Dance. Anybody going through a big transformation, as many of our you know listeners are now with their business model, that is a fantastic book to read. It's still very applicable. So, so let's talk about what you're doing now. You're working closely with the executives that own the channel strategy um, at technology companies. 
And I know there is a palpable concern among these channel executives that the growth of as-a-service revenue streams will correlate with the demise of channel partners. In other words, the more revenue a company has from as-a-service offers, the less relevant channel partners become. But you and I firmly believe that correlation will not play out for savvy technology providers. Yes, Thomas, that's absolutely correct. You know, we know there's an important role for the partner channel when it comes to selling and supporting X as a service offers. I like to talk about partners in three motions, sell with, sell through, and sell to. It's not only about sell through, which as you know, that was the primary motion of the traditional transactional model, but it is also about sell with and sell to. We're seeing a massive growth in partnering options when it comes to X as a service. There's so much opportunity for the partner channel ecosystem to make money now in this X as a service construct. They can resell or they can refer and earn commissions. They can provide value and added services that complement the X as a service offer. They can drive consumption and drive additional value there. And they can earn additional revenue through driving upsell and cross-sell motions with their customers. And then they can also add their own offerings to the solution and they can drive renewals. So there are many ways they can participate in revenue opportunities with customers now under X as a service. And, and you're right, I think there's lots of opportunity, but we do know that the emergence of as a service offers is, is very disruptive to the channel ecosystem. Yeah, and that's right. Because many channel partners have made the majority of their revenue from reselling installing and supporting on-premise technology solutions. And certainly those revenue streams get disrupted when a technology provider rolls out a cloud-based offer that doesn't require these exact motions. I regularly point to your TNS 50 index and use the data that we collect here at TSIA, which proves that the revenue is clearly shifting from being heavily weighted on the product side, the former model, to now being heavily weighted in the services side. And I think 10 years ago, if I recall from the data, approximately 60% of the TNS 50 revenue came from products and now 60% comes from services. So the customers are moving and more line of business buyers are in the mix with budgets for technology spend. And they don't look at features and functions of technology like the IT teams do. They buy technology like consumers buy technology and they care about outcomes. So that's a completely different conversation for the partner channel. They need to be prepared for that. And in fact, you know, I've, I've been on partner advisory board calls with some of my members where the partners are actually the ones urging the technology supplier to move faster to X as a service because they're running into competitive threats from board and the cloud companies who sell that way. And the partners are really eager to participate and get their fair share of this new pie. Yeah, and I think that's, that is an interesting dynamic now where you, you're right. We are seeing the channel partners push the technology providers. And, and you and I know a lot of the technology providers have been very cautious because they're like, well, I don't want to upset my, my channel partners with these new as a service offers. So it's, um, you know, the, the roles are changing there. Um, but, you know, I'm very familiar with your research in this area. And, and let me summarize four assertions that you have made. Number one, new as-a-service offers require refreshing the channel selling models. Number two, new as-a-service offers require new enablement models for the channel. Number three, not all partners will make it through this migration to as-a-service offers. And number four, 
the channel can absolutely be an accelerator for driving as a service revenues. And, and so I, I want to start with this first assertion, refreshed selling models. What, what are you seeing there? Yeah. So, you know, it feels like technology providers have been selling through channel partners forever. However, if you look Back in time, it really took off in the early 80s with the personal computer innovations. And um, today, really, there are three ways that technology providers need to use partners, like I mentioned earlier, in this X is a service construct, and they're the following motions. So first of all, sell through partners. So this is when partners sell the technology offerings on behalf of the technology providers. And in this new construct, they may be acting like a reseller partner or They may be acting like an agent. Resellers and distributors, typically in the older channel model, took possession of the technology, ran the cash flow through their books. They also typically added value of some kind to the solution for the customer in the form of additional offerings and services. In the X as a service model, resellers and distributors are still present. They're still active although their value is shifting and they're in a state of evolution to meet the new needs of the X as a service lifecycle. We're also seeing the rise of agents acting in the sell-through motion where they take ownership of the sales cycle end-to-end, but then the actual fulfillment and delivery of the X as a service offering is passed to another party, either to the technology provider or to another partner or potentially to both. The agents provide a seamless sales engagement process, much like a real estate agent would if you were selling your home and they get paid well for doing so. They do not take physical possession of the assets. They handle the transaction motion and receive equivalent of a commission. Let's look at sell to partners. So this is when partners purchase a technology offering in order to embed it into a larger solution. In this model, the partner's behaving from a transaction standpoint, actually more like a customer. Two common examples we see are managed service providers or cloud service providers who purchase a technology offer to embed that in their larger offer for a particular customer or all of their customers. And then another common example is a partner, typically an independent software vendor or an independent hardware vendor, might purchase a technology offering in order to embed it in their larger technology offering. And they sell that offer either with or without the technology provider's brand visible to the end customer. In some cases, this is known in the industry as an OEM model. And then the third one and highly growing model is sell with partners. Now, this notion is typically used with referral partners, such as systems integrators, consultants, ISVs, technology partners, marketing partners, etc. This is when partners are paid a referral fee or a marketing fee for helping the technology providers secure qualified opportunities. Oftentimes, this type of program or motion is used when the technology provider has many partners that provide services to complement their technology, but these partners do not want to resell the technology offer. In summary, when a technology provider launches a new X as a service offer, it's very critical that they think through the role of the channel partners in the selling process. They may find that they have to retrain their sell to partners to be more adept at handling subscription sales and consumption offerings. They may also find that they do not have enough sell with partners and they need to recruit a certain profile of partners in order to be successful. Or they may need to create a sell to program 
to scoop in managed service providers, for example. So, so there's definitely some reengineering that needs to be done on the selling models with, with the partners when, when, when a technology provider comes out you know, with a new as-a-service offer. And, and now let's move on to the enablement motions for the partner ecosystem. What's changing there? That's a great question. And, and at a high level, technology providers are, are needing to focus on the business model enablement instead of what I'd call product level or technical level enablement, which is what they really used to do when it comes to their partners now. So what does that mean? Well, technology providers have to help their partners develop a viable economic engine and technology providers have to help their partners close down their capability or skill gaps. We've developed a 10-square framework at TSIA that documents a comprehensive view of partner enablement in the age of the X-as-a-service offers. Trust me, the partner enablement playbook needs to be much thicker these days or more likely a more robust, intuitive digital experience. At a more tactical level, we've been researching specific practices that technology partners are employing to accelerate X-as-a-service revenues through the channel. I just published a paper on these results and there is much greater focus on helping partners articulate business outcomes in the sales cycle and deliver upon and validate those business outcomes in the adoption phase of the customer life cycle. And frankly, this is new ground for most reseller partners. And on the topic of helping partners scale at customer success, there are some practices partners really need. First of all, they need clear techniques to help them define business outcomes that they as partners can deliver to customers. They need financial and non-financial incentives for selling those business outcomes and driving adoption. They need to be trained in delivering customer outcomes and customer success skills. They need to have access to technology providers, customer success managers to give them assistance and coaching. They need to have co-developed customer success plans, playbooks, or other helpful deliverables. And they need access to adoption and consumption analytics from technology providers. These are all partner enablement practices that really were non-existent five years ago. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing is a very different playbook um, in terms of partner enablement for what we've you know, seen historically. But, but if you get enablement right, channel partners can really accelerate as a service revenues. You know, what is your research showing there? Yeah, that's a great question. And historically, technology companies have one of three channel postures. They're either channel intensive, where 80% or more of their total revenue is being sold through the channel. They're channel light, where 20% or less of their total revenue is sold through the channel. Or they're channel neutral. So roughly half, give or take 15% of their total revenue is sold through the channel. In a recent survey that I conducted with technology providers regarding their traditional on-premise offers, 25% of the respondents were in the channel light posture, 27% were in the channel intensive posture, and the remaining 52% were in the channel neutral posture. But when I asked about their channel posture as it related to to technology subscription revenues, well, that's where it gets interesting. There's a significant shift. 42% of the respondents are in a channel light posture when it comes to subscription revenues. 21% are in the channel intensive posture. Only 37% are channel neutral. 
So that means right now there's a stronger bifurcation across the three models when it comes to X as a service offers. But there is a critical insight from this specific survey. And that is that technology companies that are leveraging the channel to sell X as a service offers are growing their X as a service revenue almost twice as fast as companies not aggressively leveraging the partner channel. So this is why TSIA really believes that the channel is not irrelevant when it comes to X as a service offers. In fact, partners have opportunities to make more money in new ways through X as a service that were not available to them before. Many companies are publishing this multiplier effect or network effect that actually is used to attract more partners to their platform ecosystem. So, so the, the data you have there, right, shows that there is real, real financial incentive for a technology provider to figure out how to effectively leverage the channel to sell their as-a-service offers. But, but backing up a little bit, I mean, you believe not all channel partners make the transition to as-a-service offers. For, for TSI members that are already you know, navigating or have navigated this transformation, what has their experience been with partners? Yeah, I mean, that is a true statement. Not all partners will make this transition. Why? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Um, I think a lot of partner companies and realize, like I mentioned earlier, many of them were founded in the early to mid 80s when the PCs started taking off. And they're rather small. They may still be owned by a founder who doesn't necessarily want to do hard things and would rather either sell the business and their attached customer base or just keep doing things the way that they've always been doing them, hoping that this too shall pass. The bottom line is they don't want to modify their economic engines. That's a lot of work. They have to rewrite their business model. They have to go through the fish, as we like to call it at TSIA. And partners that rely heavily on reselling software licenses or hardware products and don't have other avenues to deliver revenue and profits, such as value-added services capabilities, will suffer in this new world. There's no doubt. Some partners just can't or don't invest in the capabilities required to be a valuable partner in today's marketplace. We, we like to say here at TSIA that bars need to deliver the VA in bar. That's the value-add. If there's no value-add, they're less relevant when it comes to X as a service offers. I think, however, with COVID, though, the impact that it has had in the marketplace, this old-fashioned way of doing business is just not the way we can do business now. So those who were not believers before COVID hit are truly recognizing this X as a service trend is here to stay now. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, as you know, I do a lot of these executive briefings on the, the impact that uh, the global pandemic has had on you know, tech business models. And there's no doubt that it has been an accelerator toward more of these as a service models. And that's, you know, customers want to buy that way more than ever uh, because, you know, their employees are in virtual, et cetera, et cetera. So you're right. It's forcing some of these partners who might've thought, oh, this, you know, I'm not sure this is really going to happen with my customers. Well, it's happening. <laughs> um, so, so let me just make an observation regarding how technology companies are communicating to their partners at this precarious point in time. It's like they're afraid, right? They're afraid to be honest about making this shift in economic engines and capabilities. What do you recommend here? Uh, sometimes I definitely do see that. And, you know, 
I find it kind of funny that they're nervous about this conversation because the partners are smart. The partners get it. The partners are all evolving. So they need to have the conversations with their partners. But, you know, first of all, any empty platitudes just won't, won't cut it. Like I said, the partners are smart. They know what's happening. And just telling your partners, oh, yes, this as a service thing will be great for you. Or for every $1 of our as a service offer you sell, you can make $10 on add-on services. Well, that's not helpful if there's no specific meat on the bone to help them. So the technology providers need to do at least three things. First of all, they need to help their partners define new economic engines and enable those new engines. And it's important to keep in mind the fact that number one, the X as a service offer has to be engineered and architected to enable partners to derive value. That means that product management has to think about how partners will make money with their offerings. The second thing is they need to walk in the partner's shoes and they need to think about how the partners will make money surrounding their platform. Ideally, they should create a money map for them, validate that with them get their input, adapt their plans to the partner's input. And then thirdly, they need to discuss transformation plans with them. And that includes which customers are best suited for the new X as a service offering, which customers should be migrated first versus later on and why. Help the partners to sell the value of the subscriptions, the value of consumption offerings, and help them to understand how to access demo capabilities, how to personalize these demos, how to integrate their intellectual property into your offering. So, so that was the, <laughs> the first major thing is help the partners define economic engines and enable those engines. Now, the second major thing is you need to help your partners understand the capabilities, i.e. the skills they will need to have and demonstrate in order to succeed, like customer success, like outcome-based selling, for example, like renewals also, for example. Give the partners tools to codify the outcomes that they could tease out during both the sales process and the customer success process. Give them tools to use in the sales and adoption process of the lifecycle to document and baseline those KPIs related to outcomes, and then validate those outcomes in the adoption process through progress on those KPIs and help them grow their customer success function. So that includes coaching them on hiring, helping them to onboard, helping them with tools, training, certifications, and key measurements of success that both you and they will share. And then the third major area is invest in practices that are proven to incent the partners to be effective in selling the X as a service offers. So review incentive options, not only for land, we're really good at incenting partners around land. But you've also got to think through incentives that are going to drive the behavior you want during adopt, expand, and renew for partners. Adjust your back office operations to support the joint monitoring of progress with your partners of adoption so that they can be compensated for their efforts throughout the customer lifecycle. And, and this is very important. People sometimes minimize it, but be good listeners with your partners. They know what's working and what's not. They're also paying attention to what your competitors are trying to do to move this process along. And what they wish you would do that you're not doing is extraordinarily important for you to learn. And it's also important for you to be agile enough to adjust and change as per their input. Partners need and want a vision. How specifically will they be successful selling your ex as a service offer? 
the more specific and compelling that vision, the more engaged your partner ecosystem will be. Keep in mind that you want a flywheel effect, a very sticky flywheel with your partners generating the energy and your customers aggregating all around that. That's your goal for the partner ecosystem. Well, Anne, I, I could not have said it better, um, but there's definitely lots of work to be done here, both by the technology providers and the partners. Um, and, and I, you know, I think you're basically going to be a very, very busy researcher at TSIA here for quite a while. Um, but this as a service revenue train is coming, right? It's coming to every technology market. Technology providers and their partners don't want to miss it. And as we've been saying throughout this podcast series, you don't want to be a have not. So, so let's get to the big question for today. A sizable percentage of the current partner ecosystem may disappear over the next decade. Whether you are a technology provider or a channel partner, is your business model prepared for that reality? Thanks again for joining us. I look forward to our next and final episode where I make the case for business model transformation. Cheers.